Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Dr. Neil Barnard will join us to discuss your body in balance. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science Show. Well, foods are important for our health, but can they also be the cause of a surprising range of health problems? Well, joining us to discuss this issue is Dr. Neil Barnard. Dr. Barnard is president of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, a faculty member of the George Washington University School of Medicine, and fellow of the American College of Cardiology. He has founded the Barnard Medical Center in Washington, D.C., and has written a new book entitled Your Body in Balance, The New Science of Food, Hormones, and Health, which explores this issue for a general audience. Dr. Barnard, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you. It's great to be with you today. Uh, a fascinating book you've written here, Your Body and Balance, where you talk about science of foods, hormone, and health. Here's why you decided to write the book. So many people are struggling with, with health issues that they never had any uh, awareness as to what was actually causing them. For example, let's say a couple is struggling with infertility, and they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on in vitro fertilization treatments or other kinds of things. And it may well be that the, the problem is that their hormones are out of balance and the most important thing is that foods can bring them back. We certainly hear about foods, how we should eat good ones, but them affecting hormones might be somewhat new. I think it's completely new for people, and it can start out really kind of early in life. So let's say it's a 15-year-old girl who discovers that once, one day every month she's got just terrible cramps. And, you know, many uh, young women have, have menstrual cramps, but for maybe 1 in 10, it's just off the scale, cannot go to school today kind of cramps or cannot work or whatever. Our research team did a, a research study on this years ago where we discovered that this can be changed based on what you eat for breakfast and lunch and dinner. You change your, your foods. Uh, what happens is if you change the amount of fiber and fat that you're eating, that in turn will adjust how much estrogen is in a woman's body. Now, people don't realize that that's the case, but it, it is true. And what then happens is if she has a little bit less estrogen going through her bloodstream, then it calms the cramps down. Now, how many women go to the doctor and they need painkillers or hormonal treatments or something like that, and, and nobody ever talks to them about doing this with diet? And I think it, it's not self-evident to most people that diet could have anything to do with something like fertility or cramps or, or for that matter, hot flashes or endometriosis or PCOS or for guys, erectile dysfunction or uh, a low sperm count. All of these things relate to how sex hormones work in our bodies. And uh, I wanted people to, to know about that. And, and not just sex hormones, but thyroid hormone, insulin, all of our hormones are, um, are instrumental in how we feel from day to day. And foods have a huge effect that nobody knows about. Do you find that diets have gotten worse and worse, that uh, problems are getting more and more uh, acute? Yes, uh, some of them definitely are. Um, I think one of the big problems, surprisingly enough, 
is cheese. You know, we think of it as this innocuous stuff that you throw on top of a pizza. But cheese comes out of a cow, and cows make estrogens. And on dairies, cows are impregnated. They're artificially inseminated every year. And their nine-month pregnancy means that they're cranking out extra estrogens that get into milk and are more concentrated in, in the cheese. Um, and it's only a trace, except that your average person in America eats about 35 pounds of it every year, plus ice cream, plus milk, plus uh, yogurt, plus butter, plus all the dairy products that are baked into things that people eat. Um, so you're getting traces of hormones. And on uh, in clinical research studies, researchers have found that men in fertility clinics, the, the, those who consume the most cheese have the lowest sperm counts. And what this means to us is that a man is eating products that have estrogens in it, and it's affecting his fertility. It's affecting his, his ability to produce sperm and, and for them to behave correctly. Um, in uh, erectile dysfunction clinics, um, doc, uh, doctors see every day a guy who comes in, he's got erectile dysfunction. Little does he know that that's a physical issue. It's not not uh, performance anxiety, and it's related to blood flow that can be changed based on what you eat. You don't necessarily need to have Viagra, so it's a more serious issue than that. These hormones that were being found in our food, how else do they affect our bodies? Yes, well, what's most worrisome is cancer. You know, uh, menstrual cramps or infertility are not going to kill you, but the very same changes, the very same estrogen changes that lead uh, a young woman to have cramps later in life increase the risk of breast cancer. And for men, it's not breast cancer, it's prostate cancer that we're concerned about. These are hormone-related cancers, and they're clearly linked to diet changes. So to make it short and sweet, um, there are certain foods that have estrogens in them. I described cheese as one example. But more important than that, your body has hormones in it anyway that your body makes, and you have a system for getting rid of excess hormones that, that relies on fiber. So if you eat vegetables and beans and fruits, you get a lot of healthy fiber, and fiber is in your digestive tract, and it helps you to carry hormones away that the body is getting rid of. Uh, most people have no idea of that. Um, they don't know where fiber is. They don't know where to choose, and so they're just kind of at the mercy of their, of their hormones. And then one other example is thyroid hormone. Your, your thyroid is this innocuous little uh, organ at the base of your neck, but it is in charge of your energy. It, it creates thyroid hormone that goes to all the cells in your body. And if you don't have enough thyroid hormone, you feel dragged out and tired and you're gaining weight and feeling crummy. And many people feel that way. And if their doctor diagnoses hypothyroidism, the doctor is going to probably put them on thyroid replacement pills. But it turns out that diet is probably the biggest actor in this. And people can uh, change their diets and hopefully improve their thyroid. So you mentioned dairy as one source. What other sources are common? What should, should we be on the lookout for? Uh, let me mention maybe some good things. Your thyroid gland, which I mentioned, regulates your energy level. To make thyroid hormone, it needs iodine. Um, iodine is something that's not a lot of dietary sources of it, but I'm going to mention two. Um, one is popular in Japan, but kind of unknown in the U.S., and that's seaweed. In, in Japan, every lunch has a seaweed salad or something like that, or you go to a sushi bar and the seaweed wraps each sushi roll. Now, I wouldn't have fish sushi if I were you, because it, unless you're very well insured, but you could have the cucumber roll or the asparagus roll or some kind of veggie sushi. That nori seaweed that wraps the sushi is very high in healthy iodine, and that's good for your thyroid. So seaweed is, is a good thing, and a more 
a closer-to-home solution is iodized salt. You go to the store and you pick up one of those little blue salt cylinders, and it's got the girl with the umbrella on it. Um, that's iodized salt, and and uh, many people are missing it now because they're choosing sea salt or or kosher salt or Himalayan salt or something like that that may not be iodized. Um, and if you bring the iodine back in your diet, it can be helpful for your thyroid. Let's go back to erectile dysfunction um, because this is such a common thing. We have a uh, primary care clinic here in Washington, and we see p- patients with this, and they have a, no understanding of it, but it's really important. Here's what happens. The guy walks into the clinic, and he says, Doc, I can't function sexually. I just, I, I, I've got ED. And the doctor writes a prescription for Viagra, and the patient leaves. Now, if this is a good doctor, at that point, the doctor will realize he just made the biggest mistake of his career. And he will throw down his pen and run out the door and catch that patient before he goes down the elevator and bring him back in and say, I forgot to tell you the most important thing. You don't have performance anxiety. That's not why you have ED. The reason that you have ED is that you've got narrowed arteries. Your arteries are narrowed by a disease process called atherosclerosis. And what, what that means is that you've had too high of a cholesterol level for, for, for years and it's narrowing the arteries to your private parts. So if you don't get blood flow to your private parts, nothing works. Um, but the reason that this is so important is that the, these narrowed arteries are everywhere in your body, including the arteries to your heart. So you're at risk for a heart attack. And they go to the arteries to the brain, uh, the carotid arteries that lead to the brain. You're at risk for a stroke. In fact, you're at much higher risk than other men uh, for a heart attack or stroke within the next four to five years. So you could take the Viagra, but you need to get this heart disease and stroke risk under control. And the way to do that is to get the cholesterol and the animal fat out of your diet. Uh, the ideal diet is a vegan diet, no animal products at all. And when people go to that kind of diet, their cholesterol levels fall, their risk of a heart attack goes way down, and their erectile dysfunction is often cured. But doctors don't tell patients that. Um, they just wait for the heart attacks to happen, and then, and then they'll do something about it at that point. This diet also very good for uh, diabetes? Oh, my God. Y- yes, exactly. Uh, I'm glad you raised that. Uh, diabetes is a disease that's related to another hormone. We've talked about estrogen hormone, uh, thyroid hormone, but insulin is the hormone that's problematic in diabetes. And in type 2 diabetes, uh, you, your body still makes insulin, but now it's not working very well. And the reason it's not working well is something that I find that doctors and, and patients do not fully understand yet. Um, we were funded by the U.S. government to do studies on diets to improve insulin function, and we, we have been able to do that. And the way to do it is to get the fat out of your diet, uh, ideally, again, a plant-based diet. And the reason for that is this. Insulin goes in your bloodstream, and it attaches to muscle cells where it brings the sugar into the muscle cell. That's what its job is. Um, but if, if your cells are insulin resistant, then your body keeps making insulin, but it's not working. The reason that the cells are insulin resistant is that fat has built up inside the cells, and now the insulin can't work. So that's why we use diets that don't have animal products, because I don't want any cheese or chicken fat in the diet. That makes insulin stop working. But the more people eat beans and and vegetables and fruits and very, very simple, healthy foods, the bigger their opportunity for having their diabetes go away. 
Obviously, this is focused on diet, but should exercise physically? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, they do go hand in hand. Exercise is a, is a good thing. It's not as powerful as diet changes. And for some things, it doesn't work at all. It, exercise will not bring down your cholesterol. A guy who eats a double bacon cheeseburger and then thinks, well, I can go exercise off all of that bad cholesterol, his cholesterol is not going to budge from the exercise. He's got to change his diet. But it does help. Um, it burns a few calories, and it does bring down blood sugar a bit. But the, the key here is uh, exercise along with a healthy diet, not instead of it. And I should say that if a person is unable to exercise because of joint problems or some other medical issue, they will still benefit dramatically from the kind of diet changes that I, that I suggested. So but, but the, uh, the closest to a perfect diet is vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans. And so that can translate into, say, uh, a bean chili instead of a meat chili or a bean burrito instead of a meat taco or veggie fajitas or go to an Italian restaurant and have your spaghetti with, with a tomato sauce or an arrabbiata sauce or something like that. So it's, it's not hard. It, it, the, the food is tasty. Um, but vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans, and all the things that they turn into. And I encourage everybody to supplement with vitamin B12 also. You need that for healthy nerves and healthy blood. And you put that together and you've got pretty close to a really complete diet. Eat well, eat better. Sometimes putting that into action is hard. Recommendations for that? Yep, I break it into two steps. Um, we've seen thousands of people here, and I have never seen anyone unable to do this, actually. Step one is take seven days, and during the seven days, just check out foods that you might like to eat if you were following a completely plant-based diet. So, for example, uh, lunchtime, let's say every day I go to Subway and I get a submarine sandwich with ham in it. Well, go there and now figure out which sandwich is vegan. Um, and they'll, they'll open up the bread for you and pile it high with lettuce and tomato and cucumbers and spinach and hot peppers and red wine vinegar, and they'll toast it for you, and fair enough. Um, or if every day for breakfast you have cornflakes topped with milk, go to the store and try maybe almond milk or soy milk or rice milk, whichever one you think you might like. If every night you go Italian, uh, check out what you might have at your Italian restaurant, pasta, fagiolo, lentil soup, minestrone, uh, spaghetti topped with uh, a marinara sauce, whatever it is. So step one is you take seven days and just check out the possibilities. What, what would you eat if you were avoiding animal products? That'll take you a week. Once that week is done, take three weeks and now go vegan. It's no animal products at all for the next 21 days. Um, and what you discover at the end of that time is that you feel healthier and you're losing weight and you're feeling dramatically better. And it wasn't hard because you picked out the foods in advance that you were going to eat. You already knew what you liked. And it's only 21 days, and anybody can do that. At the end of the 21 days, you can decide if you want to continue. But for most people, it's just a life-changing experience for them. And by the way, I should mention the book, Your Body and Balance, has recipes in it for people who like to cook. They were made by Lindsay Nixon. They're uh, simple recipes, relatively few ingredients, and super, super tasty, plus uh, lots of tips on how to eat out at a restaurant. But if you have any final words regarding Your Body and Balance. Just to let people know what's really in here, if a person has reproductive issues like menstrual pain, uh, endometriosis, PCOS, infertility, hot flashes, uh, erectile dysfunction, this is for you. If you're concerned about cancer, um, we have an important section there. If thyroid issues or diabetes are, are the hormones of interest, please read those sections. And finally, we have a section on mood. If depression or anxiety have, have you in, grip, in their grip, take a look at what foods can do for you there as well.
We were just talking with Dr. Neil Barnard. He's the author of the new book, Your Body in Balance, The New Science of Food, Hormones, and Health. Dr. Barnard, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking. Bye.